0: covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. I'll tell you what, we're doing a uh, another somewhat conventional podcast. Uh, we're at a point now two weeks in a row where there's been enough things happening during the course of the week that, I've have, uh, that I'm have kind of just dealing with the, the facts at hand and what happened over the course of the last week or so, as opposed to some of the uh, longer form interviews that we had been doing with some uh, interesting folks. If it does get to a point where maybe the news cycle slows down again, or we've got uh, a period of time between some sort of agreement and when spring training 2.0 actually gets started, we might go back to doing some of those longer form conversations. But uh, right now, it seems like every day there's there's new news. This upcoming week is going to be a huge week in terms of baseball being back and baseball being back potentially as soon as early July. Our normal housekeeping items to uh, take care of here at the top of the podcast, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter. Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast, if you can uh, subscribe and also uh, rank and review, that would be a fantastic thing to do as well. Our featured guest this week is Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesneski. My conversation with him is coming up in just a couple moments. I want to go over a little bit some of the news of the last week. And if you go back to last week's podcast, talked a lot about uh, what the what the players had previously agreed to and what the owners were now trying to kind of revisit with them in terms of financial compensation. And something happened this past week that I really think is notable and I, I look, I, I'm not an expert on what I'm about to say, but I feel like this could have, Really big implications for the Major League Baseball Players Association, Players Union, uh, for the way they do business, for the way things are going to go at this next negotiation that's going to be coming up with owners to try to uh, keep labor peace. So last week we talked a lot about the fact that the agreement that the players thought that they had with owners was based upon they were going to receive a prorated salary this year, and that was it for however many games they played. So if they played uh, an 80-or-so game schedule, they're going to receive about half of their money for the year. So you're going to get paid per game based off your contract. Well, the owners had basically gone back and said, That's actually not what we agreed to, and we're not going to have fans in the stands, so we can't pay you that much money. We want to go into a revenue split, and that's where the two sides started kind of getting upset at each other again. And all along, the players had said that it was their understanding that in the last agreement— that that the agreement between them was it didn't matter if there are fans in the stands or not. They would make the prorated salary for this year. And owners said, no, that's not the case. Our previous agreement was based upon having fans in the stands. Well, there were some emails that came out this past week. They were published by the New York Post. And if you believe what's in these emails, it certainly seems like the owners expressed to the players or at least uh, the the people with the players association that they were negotiating with it certainly makes it seem like they were they were clear that that arrangement was only based upon playing in front of fans and if they were going to play in empty stadiums they would have to revisit it when we heard as many players as we heard say look we've already we've got our agreement we've already got everything in place and we've we've taken our pay cut for the year we're not going to take another one when i heard players say that i believe that that's basically what they were told that their leadership told them that the agreement was in place and when you look at these emails it really seems like the players did not receive some type of message from the Players Association. In fact, there was even a report this past week that a number of players and a number of agents, four players, requested the official copy of the document that players and owners had previously agreed to, and they were not granted access to that. You know, if, you're a, if you are a player agent, and all of a sudden how much your player is going to get paid is changing you want to see the document that is going to put together the system in which they would be paid. And that document from the original agreement from, what, month and a half ago, two months ago, whenever it was, that document was not being made available to all the players and to, to, to the agents and everything. And now all of a sudden this email comes out from the New York Post or published by the New York Post that really makes it seem like the owners did communicate with the head of the Players Association, the people who they were, you know, having conversations with, that this is not going to be how much players are going to get paid if we play without fans in the stands. And, again, when when that agreement came forth, I don't think Major League Baseball really had much of an idea. Of the, you know, I, at that point, I think most Major League owners would have said if the choice is between either playing in empty stadiums or not playing at all, I think a lot of owners probably would have said don't play at all. A- at that point in time, the narrative we were hearing a lot that Major League Baseball wasn't real interested in playing without fans – And it was after that that uh, the president put together his committee with all the different uh, sports commissioners and everything, and and things changed a little bit. And all of a sudden, Major League Baseball started seeming a little bit more willing to play without uh, fans in the stands. So they're going to get this thing worked out. I said this last week. I'll continue to say this. They have to miss the season before I'm going to sit here and say that they're not going to get it uh, worked out. There would have to be an official announcement that they are not going to play the uh, 2020 baseball season before I would say that they're not going to play this year if that happens I'll admit that I'm wrong but uh, I don't think I'm going to be I, they're, they're gonna play baseball at some point this summer but I just I find the fact that all the information was not properly communicated to players I find that to be astonishing uh, I, I I think that's I don't think that's a good job by the by the players association if that's if that's what the owner said, if the agreement that they came to two months ago said this is only for a situation with fans in the stands and we are going to have to renegotiate in a situation without fans, that should have been clearly communicated to the players that that was the agreement. And there's just way too many players who have been under the, the, the with, with the conclusion that they were going to get prorated salary whether there were fans in the stands or not. Now. If you go back and you read all the news articles from then, most of them say you know that this is based upon the idea of fans in the stands, but it's not something that's really hit hard, and and there's very little. I didn't, I don't remember seeing any reference to they would have to come back and renegotiate for fans not in the stands, things like that. So that part of it was not previously reported. But I'm just, I am, I I was shocked. I was really shocked. Uh, when those emails came out from the New York Post, just considering uh, how adamant so many players have been that the last agreement covered everything, and that was going to be their pay cut for the year. By the way, kudos to uh, the Brewers. They uh, Pretty much, from a baseball operations standpoint, everybody's staying employed. They're not going to furlough. They're not going to let anybody go, uh, at least through the baseball season. There's a lot of teams that have been... Even the Cubs announced some furloughs uh, this past week, I think it was, or some pay cuts. and It does sound like some of the upper parts of the Brewers organization, some of the major league staff and highest paid individuals in the organization are taking some pay cuts temporarily to try to make sure that everybody does remain employed. But across baseball, we've seen furloughs. We've seen a lot of things. The Angels cut a ton of their scouts. Their scouting department is just a, it's a fraction of what it used to be, and we haven't even had the draft yet. And I know it's only going to be a five-round draft this year, but my goodness— uh, you, you don't even if it's just a five round draft. Those are still really important players. And beyond that, even though it's only a five round draft, you're still going to go sign some undrafted free agents. And the class of undrafted free agents this year, for especially say for a, a player who ran out of eligibility in college, and you know, not not every college has welcomed back the spring athletes. So there's some guys out there who maybe won't get drafted. The the individuals that you go sign as free agents college free agents that might be a better pool of players this year and you want to have a scouting department in place and you want to have those relationships you know a lot of times scouts it's sort of it's a two-fold thing scouts go scout players and evaluate their skill set and and try to evaluate what they think they're going to turn into but also a large part of a of a scout's role is developing relationships with those players and all of a sudden, those scouts in the Angels organization—they're not there anymore. There, that's that's going to impact them in a very, very, very negative way. All right, so that is uh, everything that I've got to say for this week. Uh, let's listen into uh, what somebody else has to say. We uh, welcome on to the podcast a guy who is the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. Always enjoy being able to talk to him. Also does some uh, front office work with the Milwaukee Milkmen. In fact, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of our uh, conversation. He is Kyle Lesneski. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kyle underscore. I'll just spell it out for you. Kyle underscore L E S N I E W S K I O always great to have Kyle on the podcast let me tell you this by the way right away here before we officially bring him on here uh, because I as I'm talking right now I've actually already recorded this interview even though I'm about to welcome him on right uh, podcast magic, I guess you could say. We experience a little bit of audio difficulties towards the beginning of our conversation. Uh, if you can just kind of last through that for just a moment or so, it does uh, clear up. So just letting you know, don't get all frustrated and throw your device that you're listening to it. Uh, we'll, we'll get that all uh, cleared up. So with that, I predict the future as we welcome on to the podcast, the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. He is Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, appreciate you taking some time. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Um,
0: let's start with this. What's your confidence level right now that there's going to be baseball played this summer?
1: Um, I guess I'm still not 100% confident that we're going to see MLB come back, but it's starting to trend more positively, I think. Um, you know, it sounds like the both sides are sort of understanding the optics of an argument over, you know, what. Is to a normal person a lot of money, Um, even though you know there there's justified in in arguing about these kinds of things and and making sure that everybody's represented fairly at the table. Um, But I I think both sides are motivated to make sure that something gets done, and that um, you know if if these states are deciding to you know kind of open things back up and everybody's able to kind of figure out that you know this is what we can. Uh, say is safe in order for these players and all the coaches and everybody kind of involved in other ways in in presenting these games, uh, that everybody's going to be as safe as possible. So it it sounds like things are kind of trending sort of in that direction. Uh, I've been seeing some stuff that there's going to be um, some pretty serious negotiations coming this week, uh, and they're hoping to kind of have things resolved so that they can get things sort of on track to, to kick up I think around July you know I hear that July 4th is you know kind of the day that they're they're sort of shooting for to get everything kind of back on track so I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see but um, like I said I think I think both sides kind of want to get something done.
0: It's almost an unwinnable argument for the players because from a from a principal standpoint I think it's easy to side with the players but when you when, when you hear the players Going at this and just the normal average Joe out there, here's this guy who makes millions and millions of dollars. They don't care that the person out there that's paying them is making billions of dollars. They don't care that uh, that this person's finances are going to be severely impacted this year. the The only thing that seems to matter is a person who makes lots of money is upset about making a little bit less money and they're playing the game of baseball. And we can argue whether or not the players are right or wrong, but that it's almost like that doesn't matter, right? Because it's just, it's something from a PR standpoint that I don't feel like the players can ever win.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a tough situation for the players when it, when it starts getting to be about monetary issues. Um, because, you know, it's it like you said people look at these players and they think that you know these guys are playing a game and that you know they should just kind of be happy that they get to play a game for a living and make all this money and you know they should be willing to make these sacrifices because that at the end of the day they're they're playing a game for a living and you know it's it's easy i guess to understand why people would think that but i think it really kind of minimizes all the things that go into being a professional baseball player at the major league level. I mean, these guys have to be dedicated to keeping themselves in you know, incredible shape basically year-round. They're always working, um, whether it's during the season playing 162 games in the course of 187 days um, or in the off-season continuing their training consistently. Continue- stay- you know, some guys working with coaches, changing their swings, adding pitches, changing their mechanics, all that kind of stuff. These guys are working to improve their bodies and improve their game. And, you know, there's just, just an incredible amount of work and discipline that goes in with what these players have to do in order to get to this level. And not to mention the years in the minor leagues that they you know, nothing sub-minimum wages Uh, most of these are hardly getting the kind of signing bonuses that you know set them up for uh, a comfortable living after playing professional baseball so um, it's easy to overlook that I think when you see what these guys are making on a yearly basis even you know the league minimum guys are making you know five hundred thousand dollars a year plus so but it, it is really important, I think, for us to recognize what these players put themselves through and what we're now asking them to put themselves through simply for our entertainment. You know, we're, we're potentially asking these guys to put themselves in, in harm's way with a, a virus that's floating out there that's proven to be deadly. And, you know, there's not really any cure but at this time. They're still working on a vaccine. Mm-hmm. We don't really have any idea when that might be coming yet. And you know these guys might have to be quarantined away from their families, not be able to see them for months at a time. And you know we we see all those different rules, the you know going out at night, you no know, hotel, that kind of stuff. I mean, really working these guys to put themselves, by simply for our entertainment. I think it's it's important to recognize that that these players should be able to stand up for themselves and
0: for them to get back to work. Kyle, the one thing that happened this past week, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I tend to fall generally on the player side when they're when in these type of issues, and that, that's not a hundred percent. Sometimes I'm, I'm certainly on, on the owner sides on, on different things, but the one thing that really struck me this past week was the New York Post report where there are emails that basically show that the owners had told the players, look, if we're playing without fans, we're going to have to renegotiate the financial aspect of this. And then we find out more and more that there's some players out there and there's some agents of players out there that wanted to see an actual copy of the agreement that they came upon a couple months ago. And that that was not given to players and that was not given to agents for players. And on a surface level, it really feels like somebody in the Players Association was trying to sneak something by without the rank and file of the players really accepting it and then maybe kind of told them, hey, if you're playing, you're going to get your pro-rated salary this year, and didn't go much deeper than that. And if that's the case, and there's certainly some things out there that, that make it seem that way, that's that seems very out of character for what we know about the Major League Baseball Players Association, but it's also very disappointing that that could happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff that, um, you know, the way that this return to baseball from from the quarantine is handled is going to kind of be sort of a referendum on um, the union chief in how he handles this and, and what's going to happen for the next collective bargaining agreement negotiations, which are coming up at the end of next season. Um you know the the current union chief hasn't exactly been praised for the the work that he's done during his his time in that position uh he he hasn't exactly gained a lot of fans for the way that the last collective bargaining agreement was handled and um i f- i think that if he allows the players union again to kind of get a little bit of rolled over and and sort of like i said have to maybe acquiesce to what the owners want in order to just get back to work uh, I don't think that's going to bode well for his future in that position, especially with the collective bargaining agreement negotiations on the horizon. Because there's already been a lot of talk about a potential strike, and um, you know, a- any continued difficulty with these with these negotiations can only you know help to make things worse going forward. I think,
0: and I I don't. At the end of the day, both sides, players and owners, are going to realize the optics of arguing. The optics of millionaires and billionaires arguing over money when our country is going through what our country is going through is just something that, cannot happen and they're going to get a deal worked out. But at the same time, I, it's not going to be the straight 50-50 revenue split. If it is a 50-50 revenue split, players are probably going to get something else moving forward. Or maybe it's a, a limited 50-50 split in the moment a, a fan can walk into. I, I don't know. Like, I, we, we, can, we can just try to make all kinds of assumptions and, and put all these hypothetical situations out there. But at the end of the day, don't the the this is a negotiation, so while it probably won't be that fifty fifty revenue split, can't we assume that the players are at least going to be able to negotiate something in there that's gonna be good for them?
1: yeah i've I've seen some stuff um recently just earlier today that uh, there's potential talks about uh, maybe deferring some of the twenty twenty salary. Uh, into future seasons to you know kind of save the owners some money in this year, but you know still give the players whatever their prorated salaries would be this year, just kind of spacing it out a little bit over a couple of years, and you know that ultimately helps the player get the guaranteed contract or the guaranteed value of of the prorated portion of their salary for an eighty-two game schedule. Um, so it it honors the first. It honors, namely, their their contract that they signed to as well as kind of what they figured out in the initial negotiations back in March. Um, but it it also, you know, kind of reduces I guess a little bit what the present day value of that money is gonna be by deferring it to future seasons where you have to adjust for inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, we see it with with deals like uh big deals like the Christian Yelitch deal that they just signed. They talk about how present day value of this contract is worth this, but it's, you know, lesser over time because of the deferred. So, you know, players will maybe take a little bit of a hit there, but ultimately they're still gonna get their full prorated salaries, and I think that that's you know something that makes sense for both sides. Uh, kind of allows both sides to have to give something, but kind of get ultimately what what they're looking for. So uh, I, I think something along those those lines is ultimately going to be where they sort of settle.
0: I found it very interesting. Jeff Passan had a had a column in the last twenty four to forty eight hours. He does his twenty questions every once in a while, and he made the point that right now the issue for Major League Baseball it's not a, a it's a it's a liquidity issue not a solvency issue and what that means is th- there's no worry about long term health of these different major league organizations they're going to be fine but in the short term and having money available to do the things that need to be done the operating cash there seems to be some issue and I just, I, Do you find that interesting? And we don't know how true that is. We, we don't have access to all the uh, owner's pocketbooks. And clearly, money belonging to an owner and then money that's operating cash for a Major League Baseball team are two very different things. But I, I, I find it very interesting that there are many Major League Baseball teams that feel like they don't have the liquidity right now to be able to function the way they would like to.
1: Yeah, and I've seen some stuff that suggests that um, a significant amount of the liquid assets that teams generally have comes a lot from their their gate revenue, uh, the money that is generated while games are being played, and I think that kind of creates a lot of concern on Major League Baseball's part about what um, you know their finances are going to look like in a shortened season played without any fans. Um, obviously, we know that there's significant TV contract and and they'll still get you know pretty significant revenues from that. Um, but without this you know money coming in on a on a daily basis from people coming through the turnstiles and buying concessions and buying stuff in the team store, I think you know that makes it a little bit more difficult maybe to meet their their regular expenses. you know they when these guys, have their contracts they're not paid in one lump sum you know they're paid regularly during the course of the season and that you know goes the same with all the other employees they're paid on a bi-weekly basis or whatever like that so you know that's still an area that businesses generally want to have some kind of liquid flexibility in order to take care of those kinds of expenses and i think you know maybe that's part of what major league baseball is worried about in, in all of this and um, you know, maybe why the players, I guess, could be willing to, to do some negotiating when it comes to what their salaries are going to look like for this season.
0: Do you think this is going to change the economics moving forward where Major League Baseball owners are going to say, okay, we've got to have, we got to have more operating cash available at any given moment, or do you think it's just going to be a situation where owners pocket the money and they're going to assume that they're never in a situation like this again? And if they are in a situation like this again, well, then they'll deal with it when the time comes around.
1: Yeah, I guess it's tough ultimately to see the owners kind of quote unquote learning a lesson from this when ultimately they're going to be able to make it through with, you know, probably getting concessions from the players in order to, to continue a season and, and put a season out where they're still going to remain profitable. So, you know, I think that's you, all the money or all the talk that you hear is about the money that the owners could be losing and losing money with every game that they're playing with no fans in the stands and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it just kind of goes to show how Major League Baseball and, and uh, you know, major sports franchises like that kind of in general, it, it seems like the owners can kind of do whatever they are able to to seem sort of entitled to a profit. You know, in a regular business, you're going to have good years, you're going to have bad years, you're going to have, you know, years where you make money, where you lose money, and you're not going to be able to negotiate through the press with you know, your workforce in order to figure out a way that you can just continually remain profitable. So if, if major league baseball owners are able to continue to do that, like they've been able to in the past and like they, you know, seem to be able to through this situation, I, I don't, I guess, expect any major changes in the way that they operate going forward.
0: The Brewers did announce that uh, some very high paying members of the organization take pay cuts, and that allows them to keep baseball operations intact and people be able to to keep their jobs. And that's a really nice thing to say. There's some people out there who say, well, they, they should do that. Okay, we can say they should do that or not, but they're doing that, and that's an important thing. And I think you look over to what happened in Anaheim with the Angels, you got a guy who's worth. Billions of dollars. Who owns that team? And before the draft even happens, they they gut their scouting staff. Who so they're not going to be available to assist in the draft. I know the draft's only five rounds this year, but again, I'm maybe maybe I'm just a, a honk for the organization. I get called that all the time. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting to compare the Brewers and the way they're at least keeping people on staff to an organization like the Angels that are really putting their their future on the line to a certain extent because this could even though it's just 5 rounds this could be a complete lost draft for them with no uh, with no scouts basically.
1: Right. And I I do think that it will be much to the brewers benefit to have retained all these people throughout throughout the year and you know not only just in getting through this draft but you know we've we've seen how guys from organizations will or People in executive positions will jump from, from job to job looking for promotion to promotion. But we've seen the brewers kind of do a job of retaining their front office individuals. You know, we've, we've had David Stearns now in place for the last several years. And for all the talk we've seen about Ray Montgomery or Matt Arnold potentially finding a, a general manager job somewhere else, you know, those guys are still here in very high positions within the organization. So, you know, it, it seems like the brewers realize that you know, maybe whereas they can find a lot of players over, you know, the course of a season and an off season to kind of rebuild the team that way, maybe their thinking is that front office positions and scouting positions and, and those types of player acquisition, player development positions are ultimately going to be where they can work to retain all their best people as much as possible and kind of make what they're doing at the major league level, uh switching players in and out, you know, changing players out of positions, finding players on one-year deals, waiver wire deals, that kind of stuff, and, and continually being able to make that work. I think you have to be able to have a good scouting department, a good player development staff in place in order to do those kinds of things successfully over the long course of time. And, you know, I think that's one of the ways that the Brewers have kind of prioritize their organizational strategy going forward is to to have the best minds in place to to help develop those individuals.
0: Uh, And I think there is also you mentioned being a place where people want to come work. Like you can you if you're known as the organization that kept everybody on staff during the pandemic well then if you're going after somebody in the future and you're competing with the angels for a scout that you really want that scout might just end up coming to milwaukee i think there's it's not apples to apples i'm not trying to make an apples to apples comparison but there are some similarities between the fact that the milwaukee has come become a little bit of a a destination city for players because of Craig Council, because of the clubhouse environment, because of all those sort of things, it becomes a desirable place. Doesn't the Brewers kind of doing the way the, the way they should be doing the things that, that can help out in terms of just having a good reputation for others to eventually join the organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that for sure. And you know hopefully we'll see similar actions taken with regards to their minor league players and with regards to the business operation side of things, because we haven't really seen any announcements as to how that's going to be handled yet. Um, But, you know, I I do think that across Major League Baseball, if over the last several years, the Brewers have kind of taken themselves to be one of the top organizations uh, in in terms of how they're viewed across the league. And, um, you know, it's it's in no small part to the work that, Mark Antonazio has done with Craig Council and David Stearns and, and everything that they've done all together. It just seems like things are, are in a strong position for, for Milwaukee moving forward. Uh,
0: before I let you go, I want to get into some Melkman stuff for people who don't know you're part of the front office with the uh, Milwaukee Melkman, which is an independent baseball team uh, in the Milwaukee area. First, the season hasn't started there yet either, and it's the business models are all different, like whether we're talking about Major League Baseball, whether we're talking about Minor League Baseball, whether we're talking about Independent Baseball. The models are different, and Independent Baseball doesn't get the financial support from Major League Baseball the way Minor League Baseball teams do. They're responsible for their full payroll. They're responsible for a lot of things. Uh, so that, that's kind of the business model. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, the impact on the milkman uh, of not being able to start a season so far?
1: Yeah, our, um, the Milkman opening day was actually supposed to be uh, this past week on Friday. Um, we were supposed to open up in Gary, Indiana against the Gary South Shore Railcats. Um, right now, the, the way that things are looking is that uh, the season was officially postponed until July 1st. So uh, right now, everything is kind of uh, on track to start until start at that date for, for the American Association unless there's uh, some league announcement that, that announces differently. Um, the Milkman earlier this week we released our uh, readiness plan for having fans return to the ballpark and you know start coming out to the other Rock Ventures attractions out at um, out at the, the ballpark commons on, on seventy six and Rawson. Um, and a lot of that stuff includes limited seating. Um, there'll be limited capacity, uh, socially distant seating groups. Um, there's going to be increased cleanings at the parks, um, sanitizing, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're promoting cashless payments more so, uh, to kind of avoid all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just doing all this stuff that, that we can in order to ensure that, uh, any people that come to the games are going to be doing so in an environment that is as safe as possible.
0: Um, what is it? it can't be easy for people in the front office just and look this isn't true just to baseball it's true to anybody who's working like we wake up in this weird world that we're living in right now and none of us really know what's going to happen it seems like things are getting better but we don't really know anything and the financial ramifications of this is huge uh, just from and maybe I'm not even speaking so much about yourself but just from a from a front office standpoint this has had to be really tough on everybody part of that organization.
1: Yeah, it definitely makes things difficult and and makes us have to get creative uh, in terms of finding ways to, to generate revenue. And, you know, we've seen some of the things that have happened recently with the, uh, the Milky Way drive-in that, that just opened this past weekend. Um, and I think that's something that's going to be uh, a big hit in the city of Franklin. And, and for people who want to get out and enjoy, you know, going to see a movie with their friends or with their family, that still be in, in sort of that socially distanced environment. Um, but, you know, just in in a general sense with business kind of shutting down at the Major League Baseball level, um, that does make things a lot more difficult at our level as well because a lot of the players uh, that we draw from are, are guys that get released for Major League Ball Clubs uh, at the end of spring training and, and that kind of stuff. And we, we just haven't really seen any of those sorts of releases yet with, you know, sort of the roster freeze that's gone on and uh, everything just sort of kind of being ground to a halt. So it, it makes it difficult for teams in our league and other independent leagues like, like the American Association to, you know, fill out those last spots on their roster, uh, figure out who's available, you know, who might even, who is willing to play, who might be looking to do something else with, with the um, uncertainty around what minor league baseball is going to look like this year. Um, so it, it's just made us have to get a lot more creative in the ways that you know, we're able to kind of look through ballplayers and, and who's available and, and who we want to target, who we think that could be a good fit in our league and, and within our clubhouse.
0: I know the, the thing got sold out pretty much right away on the, uh, on the, the drive-in movie theater. How, what was the response to the first night of it?
1: Um, it, it was from, from everything I've heard extremely successful. Um, you know, people, people were excited about it. Uh, I've seen that they've sold out multiple shows for this weekend as well. So I think that um, you know, a lot of people are excited to to have a way like this locally that they can get out and, um, you know, go and enjoy some time out of the house with their family, but still, you know, kind of be, separated off from everybody and still kind of be sort of in that safe environment, but, but doing something fun together. So, um, you know there's there's not a whole lot of stuff like that around in Milwaukee right now. so uh, you know certainly there's there's a market for people to, to be able to do this stuff and um, I think it's going to continue to be successful.
0: You and your staff have been churning out great content at Brew Crew Ball. Uh, it's been uh, It's been fun to see the creative ways that you guys have been able to uh, to, to really provide things for, for Brewers fans to read. So often you would not know that, uh, that there wasn't baseball going on. I guess you probably would, but you know what I'm
1: trying to say. Uh,
0: <laughs> what's, what's going on? What's up next at the site between now and once baseball does actually return?
1: Um, you know, we're, we're gonna continue to cover any news that comes out about the potential return of baseball as, as it breaks. Um, but, you know, while we're still waiting for all that to happen, uh, we're gonna continue to, um, run our out of the park baseball simulation series, whether it's the 2020, um, Baseball Brewer simulation, or the redoing the Dark Ages series that that we're also running at this time. Um, and then with the draft coming up, the MLB draft, we're going to uh, begin our um, draft coverage uh, in the next in the next week or two with Bradford, uh, the best draft cover cover guy in in the Brewers blogosphere. I would say, in my opinion, um, is going to be doing his outstanding work again once once again this year on the site. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that and, and get ready to uh, get previewed for, for the, the odd five-round shortened draft that we're going to be enjoying this year.
0: And Brad's got so much extra time on his hands with no minor league baseball. I mean, his coverage is always great, but it should just be like even even better this year, right?
1: absolutely i think i think he's got a lot of good things in store
0: hey uh kyle really appreciate your time uh encourage everybody to check out what you guys have going on at brew crew ball follow you on twitter at kyle underscore l-e-s-n-i-e-w-s-k-i thanks as always and uh, look forward to talking to you soon hopefully next time we're talking we're talking about actual baseball being played
1: yeah sounds really great matt always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat
0: Kyle Lesniewski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. This is the part of the program where I always tell you What's coming up in terms of our Brewers Classics on WTMJ? And uh, we have a double shot this week because we've been doing them on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And, yes, we will do that again uh, this upcoming Wednesday night. But we also are going to have a, a Monday game. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you might get the uh, chance to uh, to check this out As uh, coming up on Monday, Memorial Day, uh, we are going to uh, go and we're going to get the uh, Brewers clinching a berth in their only World Series so far. It's game five of the ALCS against the Angels. We are going to run that game on Memorial Day from noon to three. And then coming up on Wednesday, we are going to have the first ever game that was played at uh, Miller Park back in 2001 when they brought in the Cincinnati Reds That game is going to run at 6 o'clock coming up on Wednesday night. So Monday, noon to 3 on WTMJ. Game 5 of the ALCS when the Brewers clinch a berth in their only World Series so far. And then the first game at Miller Park on May 27th. Listen on 620 WTMJ. If you are in the WTMJ listening area, you can also listen online at WTMJ.com. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We are getting closer and closer and closer and closer to baseball every day that goes by. We are one day closer to having baseball being played, and uh, that's a good thing. I keep saying that to myself, so I'll say that to you as well. Thanks for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week. It's another edition of uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mulder. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.